When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Bradfoe Show. Except there's no Bradfoe, it's just Coop here. But I've got a gaggle of Twitter users here that are probably the brightest minds that I know. Uh, we've had them on in the past for Who Says No. We're bringing them all together now because we're we're in the thick of free agency, I would say. Um, qualifying offers are out the door. And we're now focused on who we can get for how much we can get them for. And... Uh, so if we want to just go around, go around Big Sox guy, how about you introduce yourself first? Because I don't know how the, how the streaming is going to go on your end. So I want to get that out of the way real quick. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, little delay here on my end. Um, what's up, guys? Real name is Ronald's been on Twitter for, it's coming up here, I think. Uh, it's been a pleasure interacting with everybody. Um, Hopefully, the Sox start making some moves because, uh, I mean, I, I'm cool with being patient, but I, it seems that a lot of people are not. So I'd love to have some stuff to talk about, at least. Happy to be here. My absolute favorite thing right now is just, like, people not learning from the past free agencies that, like, nothing happens within, like, the first week. Like, everyone's just excited for stuff to happen. But in reality, like, I don't know. I don't expect anything to happen until, like, January. Yeah. All right, Sammy, yeah. Sammy, how could you introduce remember, yourself there? I don't know how old you guys are, but if you remember the, uh, the sh- go ahead. Sorry. I was going to talk about Kirsten. <laughs> no, no, that right. happened no, on right. Thanksgiving, I think, but Kirsten, dude. All right. You want me to jump in? Yeah, go for it. No delays here. All right. Uh, I'm Sammy. Uh, you can follow me at heaphammer94. Um, my thoughts on the offseason, uh, kind of Coop just covered it. I'm not really expecting much to happen yet. I think we're all a little bit, uh, you know, shaken from the lockout where everything happened all at once. So, uh, you know, being patient. I don't like being patient, but we'll get there. You just got to keep Zen. Got to keep Zen. Gordo, what's up? Coop, how you doing? I like your sweatshirt. I got I got my GW apparel on today just for you. It, I was about to say roll colonials, but that's that's no longer. So just like roll the George what Washington are we right now? Athletic Pro, uh, Association. Are we the Washington Athletic teams? Is that what we are right now? I think I think that's what we have to be. <laughs> like we got to adopt like the the major leagues uh, teams from our our city and just be like I don't know the George Washington Soccer Club, the George Washington yeah. Basketball Team. Like that's where that's how we got to roll now. Washington sports just in a complete flux with the names. It's all over the place. They're winning, though. They're winning. Hey, come on. They beat the Eagles. I, I, hey, fly, Eagles, fly. Am I right? No. But, yeah, as for the offseason, I, I feel like I wake up every morning and there's a new quote from a new a new writer who's, who's releasing an article or just released one the night before. And I feel like it's like three quarters of the time it makes you want to claw your eyes out and, like, the people online really take it hard. And, and being patient is tough and it's tough every year, but for whatever reason, right now, it just, people are taking it a lot harder just because I think there's, 
such a lack of trust in the organization right now. I think if we're patient, we're going to come out all right on the other side, but I don't think anyone else is with me on that, especially online. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful, at least about Xander. I don't know what's going to, I don't know. I, I go back and forth whether like Xander or Devers is going to be the first one to get signed. Same. But uh, I go back and forth on Xander. It's like every day. It's like I, I truly am a 50-50 right now, but in my heart of hearts, I do think they're going to get it done. But sometimes you, you don't know whether to. But that's the thing. Even the way you just said that, like you're still like not even like 100% yeah. on board with that thought. Because you don't know if they're just like building up the spin for if he, if he leaves and then it's like we tried. See, we, we offered him like that, that Silverman piece today. Yeah, like, I was just about to say, even today, like you hear, and that's that's how the Red Sox operate. Like they're going to put out there that they are giving him good offers, even though that we don't really know what's happening. And, you know, from history, we know that the Red Sox have lowballed their free agents in the past two years. So exactly. you don't know what to believe. Yeah, and, and we, we, we're told that it's going to be different. They they have a different tone this offseason, but it's one of those things where with this new regime, you just got to, like, we'll believe it when we see it. I think that's where people are exactly. at. Exactly. That is the thought that I've had. I've just been like, once I get that MLB notification, then I'll be like, all right, that is what it is. But yeah. uh, moving on to our next guy, Pat. What's Pat, up, how are you doing? doing all right. All right. Well, that's all that yeah. matters. But, yeah, no, I feel the same way. I feel like the first pill, like the first domino to fall will be Judge. And then after Judge, I feel like teams will know where they stand kind of money-wise. And that's when, like, that second wave will kind of hit. Because I feel like the biggest question mark is judge. Like teams don't want to spend out of their budget and then have the shot at judge and not be able to do it. And I think in all likelihood that probably happens around like winter meeting time because Scott Boris guys usually sign around winter meeting time. I think Garrett Cole signed winter meetings, Harper signed winter meetings. So I'm kind of hoping that I hope it doesn't drag out into the new year. Cause I'm not. Rizzo isn't your first big domino to fall. No, believe it or not. No, no, but. Like, like small moves will happen, like Rizzo, Teoscar was a weird one today, but that happened. It may be like guys like Nemo, but I don't think the big, like the big dog sign until probably winter meetings. Talk about what, I mean, Canada's just being weird right now with whatever's going on in Toronto. They've gotten rid of two Red Sox killers. I'm cool with it. I'm very I, cool with it. Yeah. I mean, if, if we don't have to go through another 28 run game, I'm, I'm very yeah. fine with that. I was at uh, that game. I almost jumped off the bleachers. Sick brag? I don't know if that's something. No, really a brag, believe me. <laughs> I mean, like, the Red Sox didn't have a great year at home this year, but that's certainly one thing I would not want to be proud of going to. No, I'm not. But um, let's jump into this, because you guys sent me some You guys sent me some nice, interesting trades that I am just going to – I'm not going to completely disregard, because I want to go around the horn. I want you guys to pick up – I asked you for two trades. I want you to give me your favorite out of the two that you sent me because like parents, they have a favorite child. So I want you to give me your favorite trade that you sent me, uh, Jeff, but I want you to hit me with your favorite trade that you sent me. It's, it's uh, all anticipation here. Uh, um, all right. So yeah, let, let's get to it. So I uh, obviously sent over two. My favorite, um, all right. Red Sox receive Dalton Varsho. And long time in Bumgar. Um, in exchange, they sent Diamond, Brian Mata, Josh Winkowski. Um, originally, I had Edison Paulino in this. Um, that would have to be after the Rule 5, doing he's not. 
Um, as a replacement, we'll throw in Emmanuel Valdez. Uh, thought process behind this. So Varsho, um, kind of a name that has come on the radar and almost speaks for himself. Played elite outfield defense last year, had a, I believe it was a 17 outs above average, 19 primarily played right field, hit 27 bombs, stole 16 bases. Um, he's under control through 2026. Bumgarner on the other side of things. Um, he's obviously, he's the worst contract that um, Arizona has right now. Kicker with him, I believe he does have a clause to like five teams. I could not figure out if the Sox were on that or not. Um, however, if he wants to win, I believe there's a chance that they could convince him to waive it if the Sox are on that, um, as long as the Red Sox could prove that they're committed to um, to winning now. Bumgarner's salary over the next two years is 23 mil and 14 mil, respectively, uh, but luxury tax is 16.6 each year. Uh, my thought as to why it makes sense. So again, Varsho, elite defender, hits for power, both of which the Red Sox need. Uh, Bub Gardner, his contract with the Diamondbacks on a team that only won 74 games is something that I would imagine they wouldn't mind moving on from. Um, in trading Varsho, they have an area of depth in the outfield where they also have guys like Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, um, and Ketel Marte could play out there as well. Um, he's obviously very versatile. Um, and then, of course, again, unloading their biggest contract um, while taking on a top pitching prospect um, in Mata, a second tier pitching prospect ish, uh, still with upside in Winkowski. Um, there's still a lot to be seen from him. And then adding um, organizational depth, if it's with Paulino, um, a guy that can play either infield or outfield, um, number ninth prospect in the organization. Um, if it's Valdez, then uh, he's a guy who was just named to MLB Pipeline's uh, first team. Like, obviously, he's considered a little bit positionless, uh, but with the DH and the NL, um, that helped a little bit. The Red Sox side of things. Um, Sox have a lot of pitching that's MLB ready. I don't know if you guys saw uh, Chris Cotillo's recent tweet. I think it was yesterday. Um, especially if they're in the market for a frontline starting pitcher and re-signing Evaldi, there's not going to be enough innings to go around for everybody. Not that everybody's a stud. Obviously, they need a front-end guy, um, but th there is depth to trade from. So losing a guy like Mata would be uh, potentially a loss, uh, but it's something that the Sox staff could potentially weather um, and addressing in, uh, two needs in one with outfield defense and a power bat in uh, Varsho is something that I think would go a long way with the Red Sox fan base and also the roster as a whole. Um, so that's kind of the thought process behind it. Curious what you guys think. All right, love that. But I want to hear from the rest of you guys. Because this is this is the round table. So I'm gonna same order that we introduced ourselves. Hit me with your thoughts on that. Okay, so I'm up. Yeah. Honestly, you guys can just interject whenever you want. I want this to be free flowing. I want this to be the I want this to be like at Jersey Street. I want this like you guys are the front office here talking about what to think about this trade proposal. Cool. All right. Well, I'm first of all, Varsho, one of the most interesting guys in baseball. I think he came up as a catcher and then moved to center field or something like that. But he's got a really interesting position profile, um, really broke out this year. So obviously, we'd love to have him here. Uh, and I think the being the Bumgarner contract makes a lot of sense. I bet a lot of people will say, well, the offer is a little bit thin, but you got to keep in mind the Diamondbacks probably want to get rid of that Bumgarner money. So um, I like it. Uh, Red Sox might have to sprinkle a little bit more on that, but you know, in a vacuum, that's a really good trade. Like you said, it fills two needs, outfield defense and power. 
Um, and, I, you know, just such an interesting player in Varsho. Uh, so, yeah, I like it. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting offer, especially with three. If it's if it's Valdez over Paulino, it's, you got three major league ready dudes going over to Arizona. I think the one question that needs to be asked here with Arizona and pretty much anyone the Sox are going to deal with is how much value do they place on offloading salary? Because a lot of these teams that the Red Sox have traded with in the past have placed a little bit of value on that. And if Arizona wants to offload Bumgarner, the Red Sox are obviously in a position to do that. Having, what what is it, like 80-something million dollars until they hit the tax line right now? 82, so, I think. Yeah. 82. So I, th- if, I think if Arizona... Something if, in that ballpark. Yeah. So if Arizona puts puts value on offloading that Madison Bumgarner contract, that's something they're interested in. I don't think there's a lot of teams that are going to be willing to do that or are capable of doing that the way the Red Sox would be. And I definitely think that there's a lot of value on that, which obviously, Sammy, you said the, the prospect package is a little light and there's definitely no like bell cow prospect in there, but maybe offloading Madison Bumgarner's co- contract is the bell cow prospect. Yeah, no, I definitely like the trade. I I love Dalton Varshaw. He was a sneaky, like fantastic power hitter, great defender. He almost kind of feels like what Blake Swihart like should have been, like a positionless catcher who can kind of roam the outfield and hit a little bit. So I love that part. I love the inclusion of Bumgarner to really diminish the price. And if the Diamondbacks are that desperate, like if it co- does come down to them being desperate to get off of that contract, I don't think it's crazy to say you might even be able to sub out like a Brian Mata for a uh, – why am I blanking? Uh, Brandon Walter. Like I think – eating all of that contract and doing like the Diamondbacks a quote-unquote favor by eating the rest of that contract. I don't think it's crazy to say you can slide Brandon Walter instead of Mata and that's still a win for the Diamondbacks getting off that contract and getting even that light prospect package. One thing, one question about the trade. Um, What are we doing with Bumgarner? It's not a huge issue, but it's definitely something to think about. What, fifth man? Is he the new Rich Hill? uh, No doubt. So, that kind of plays into the the factor of what I said about how um, there's not necessarily enough innings to go around for for the pitching staff. So how that would play into it is something that would remain to be seen. Um, maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle with Bumgarner. Maybe he is a change of scenery guy that would thrive in an environment that hopefully will be positioned in because we know what he's done in the past in an environment where he was – uh, really the guy who single-handedly won the World Series, at least one of the year Giants. Um, if not, it's just a risk you're willing to take on to to get a guy like Varsho, who um, appears to be an incredible talent, um, serves a couple of needs, and is under team control for, I think it was through 26. Is that what I said? Um, so th- that that's an, a thing that would remain to be seen. Um, but I, I think it's not the end of the world if you want to try and run with it. If, if you have Bumgarner eating a couple innings here and there, or maybe um, as a depth guy, I don't know if you'd be all right with that, but um, it, it would be interesting to see how that would play out. Real awesome. quick, before we move on, it almost kind of feels like Bumgarner with the Sox would kind of play like David Price did with the Dodgers. Like maybe he's a middle relief guy. Maybe he's a spot starter. Like I don't that kind him. of role, just kind of like flip-flop between reliever, spot start, like th- two, three innings. If they didn't move on from Bumgarner before that. I love that. You're right on. That is, that's exactly it. Also, 
two very good Boston names, Varsha <laughs> and Bumgarner. Yes. Bumgarner. Bumgarner. The amount of t-shirts that uh, they would sell on the corner out by Kenmore there. Is it, uh, is, that, is it true that he dated a girl with the same exact name as him, or is that a rumor? Yes. Yeah. True. Oh, I remember that. That's I think what, so. What's his uh he what's his um rodeo uh name as well? Because he he went under an alias for uh, like being yeah. a rodeo. Oh, I forget. I know what you're talking about. I can't think of it. Oh, I gotta I gotta look that up. I'm not sure. That, that's just like. But I do know out. that um he's from he's from North Carolina, which I actually live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now it's like an hour away, and I know that um the I'm going. Gardner name is like a he's a him. There's a lot of bum gardeners. Huh. Mason Somebody Saunders was his rodeo sounds, name. Sounds like Mason very Saunders. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. That's wild though. That like there's just a bunch of like Madison bum gardeners like walking around like the Carolinas. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, dude. Um, but let's move. Sammy, give me your favorite uh, trade of the bunch. All right. So like I did my first time coming on. I know this is crazy, but that's why I did it. So <laughs> this one, I'm glad I waited to the last second because um, I'm sure you guys saw Teoscar Hernandez got traded to the Mariners today. Um, so the Blue Jays have a vacancy in the outfield. Um, we'll get back to that. All right, so here's my trade. Uh, Red Sox get Gabriel Moreno, who was one of the best prospects in baseball before he got called up. He's a catcher. Um, and then outfielder Nathan Lukes, depth guy, pay no attention. Um, the Blue Jays then get Alex Verdugo, Nick York, Sedan Rafaela, Mikey Romero, and Franklin, not Frank, Herman. So crazy, right? Here's my reasoning. Blue Jays have zero left-handed hitters in their lineup. That doesn't work. Um, so Verdugo is probably a little bit appealing to them. Maybe not the most appealing. Um, and like I said, there's a vacancy in the corner outfield. So two years of control of, uh, Verdugo, uh, Rafael is currently 95th ranked prospect in baseball. You got York, who's the sixth ranked second baseman. Romero's a first round pick. Um, and then the blue Jays just traded, uh, for Swanson. So they're definitely looking for bullpen arms. So, you know, toss in Franklin, uh, Herman to make it a little bit more appealing. This makes more sense to me than them signing Brandon Nimmo. Nimmo's going to be expensive. The Mets are probably going to get him back, in my opinion. I think they're going to get him back. Um, and historically, the Blue Jays have always had to pay a premium for players because they're in another country and the taxes are high. Um, I don't think Brandon Nimmo would love that. Um, why it makes sense for the Red Sox. Uh, catching situation, a lot of people seem fine with it. I don't think anyone's psyched. Um, at least nobody I've spoken to. It seems like a situation where everyone's just okay with it um, with Connor Wong and Reese McGuire. Um, so the Red Sox instantly up that situation. It's not a hole, but you know, it's a big improvement. Um, the Blue Jays trade from a place of depth. They had uh, Alejandro Kirk all-star last year and Danny Jansen, another solid catcher. So um, I think they'd be okay trading a catcher. Uh, and it also opens up the possibility of dealing Connor Wong um, for pitching. We all know the Sox need a lot of pitching. Uh, and then McGuire is the backup. And then Nathan Lukes, who I mentioned, is just a depth replacement. I figure the Red Sox would want, um, you know, replace some of that depth. They're giving up a million players for one. So uh, why not make it two? Someone that the Blue Jays won't miss. So that's my insane trade for, uh, I think, 22-year-old, 23-year-old Gabriel Moreno 
sick catching prospect. I think he was second best catching prospect behind uh, Alvarez. That's his name on the Mets. So, um, yeah, rip it to shreds. I mean, my God, Rafael, uh, I don't want to part from him. I like, it's just young guys getting swapped for, for like young guys, which like, I mean, like you always have the possibility of, and I've said it before, like Rafael, like not panning out because he is still like so young. So there is like the, like the possibility where he hits triple A and he might just like peak in, but there's also so much upside and so much hype around him that like, I, I want, I want to see that so bad, both him and plays. Um, so it, it's hard to part with him, but I agree with you. Like the catching position is lackluster. It's not like an immediate concern right now, but I don't want to get into the season and be having to be like, all right, well, what big piece are we going to have to shell out just so we can have someone behind the plate? That's like somewhat competent. Not that like Wong and, you know, McGuire aren't competent, but I don't know. Like I like, I like when like my pitchers have synergy with the guy behind the plate and, a having a young guy and then B having a guy that's just like a transplant is tough. And we saw the way like the team reacted when you got rid of Vasquez and both Pilecki as well. Like you, it is important to have a little bit of synergy going on between those two positions. So maybe it is like a good idea to bring in someone young and they can build up to that. But also it's just like it, Rafael on him. I want to see him up at the bigs. Understood to that point. Moreno is probably your catcher for the next yeah exactly six years you can develop him into like a franchise player which like that that is something that is always great to have at the catcher position i mean we saw that with vasquez vasquez became our franchise catcher here's an interesting question here i have for you sammy on this if you were to offer or if you were to have your choice between moreno and sean murphy for that package murphy i think has three years left which one are you going to take? Oh, that's tough. I think is three years left, you said? I'm pretty sure it's three. Oh, my God. Because mm. one's a sure bet. One's got huge upside. It's just you're trading three hopefully huge prospects plus Alex Verdugo plus a reliever in Herman for a guy we don't even know. Like he's a prospect, but he's a great prospect. But they liked Alejandro Kirk so much that he barely even got in there last year. Yeah. So I think I would still go Moreno because the age and the control. If you have him, it opens a lot of doors to do other things. Um, and also the upside is higher. I think Murphy's great. Um, I don't know if Oakland would even accept this package. The reason I say that is all the prospects I included, they're all good prospects. And Verdugo's good too. Um, but they're all guys with like pretty pretty significant flaws. York, mm, second baseman, maybe. Rafaela, the bat. Romero, who knows. And then Herman, not a great cup of coffee. You know, but what can you really tell from that? So um, I actually talked about this with, I'm sure you all know Red Sox stats. The style of a trade where you have a platter of good prospects rather than one great one. So I figured get one great prospect for a handful of good ones. And it makes me think of that Craig Kim, uh, Craig Kimbrell trade um, where the Red Sox did the same thing. They send a bunch of their top 20, but none of their like top, top, top guys. And none of them panned out. But on the other hand, what if three of these guys pan out? Then the Red Sox look awful. So 
I'm aware it's a huge risk, um, but the upside is just gigantic. I mean, he's 22. He had a little cup of coffee at the major league level this year and was like, he tore it up. So, um, you know, Toronto probably doesn't even want to trade him, but still, it's a fun thing to think about. So if I had to choose, I think I'd go Moreno for the upside, but, you know, I would be psyched to get Sean Murphy as well. Yeah, and it's interesting because I forget who reported it, but someone someone notable said that they would be willing to trade him within the division and that they're probably going to trade one of Moreno or Kirk. So it's certainly not off the table. I think, I think if I'm the Red Sox, I'm not making this trade. I think the prospect capital that you're giving up is a little bit too much for a guy that you don't know for a fact is a sure bet. But I'm curious to see, uh, Pat, what you got on that. I think the package is heavy, but I think if you substitute, I forget who you said the depth piece was, but if you substitute that with a guy like a Nate Pearson, maybe, who was once a top prospect, kind of looks like reliever, maybe a back-end starter, I think it's a little more palatable. But catching prospects just scare me so much after guys like Joey Bard, Francisco Mejia. Like, there's just a lot of inconsistency with catching prospects. But, I like, I know Moreno, and I know that he's, like, he looks like the Buster Posey reincarnated. He, he He's going to be a controllable piece. I think for the capital you're giving away and the questions you're getting back, I don't know if it's worth the price, but I do like the thought of Moreno. Yeah, so you know what's funny? I don't know if you guys have seen, whenever I talk about trades online, I can't stand that trade machine. Oh, yeah. But for the first time ever, I used it today. And I punched in this trade. And it's like Red Sox way short. And I could not find a way, like buy a lot. And I couldn't find a way to make it even like relatively close. So I was like, you know what? You're right. This this machine is dumb. But then I'm looking at the package. I'm like, but that's so many prospects. But then, you know, so it's a tough call. That machine hates the non-tippity top prospects. Yeah. Yeah. It says like, like Nick York has like no value. And yeah. Like, I wonder what, like, the X factor is in that, that, like, they input in order for, like, things to equal out. Trevor's story. Like, they got to be using, like, I mean, are they using, like, F4? I don't know. I mean, they claim to be very accurate, but, like, Eh. I don't know how you can make that claim. I don't know. I I don't touch it. Today, I swear, the first time I ever used it, I was like, I just got to see. And I'm like, what? I was right. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. So, who knows? Bottom line is, I don't know anything. That's that is the rule of life I live by. I just I'm an I'm a complete idiot. But Gordo, <laughs> let's hear your number one. All right, this 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 trade, it takes into account current events here. We were talking about that Teoscar Hernandez trade. So even after that trade was made today, John Morosi reported that the Mariners are looking to add another outfielder. And I hate to do this back to back because I love Alex Verdugo so much. But one for one trade. Mariners receive Alex Verdugo, two years of control left. Red Sox receive Jared Kalnick, six years of control. From the Mariners' perspective, like I said, they're looking to add another outfielder, another proven guy. He's got two years of control. He's a good player. He's really talented, and obviously he's got room to grow that we're all hoping to see him grow into. The Mariners wouldn't have to send a package like they did for for a monster guy like Luis Castillo. Uh, and if they add Verdugo, a guy like Jared Kelnick isn't going to have a path for a bat. So you've got Julio Rodriguez, Oscar Hernandez, and now Alex Verdugo, he's going to be blocked. 
So he's expendable at that point. And maybe they think it's time to try to coop any sort of value they can for him in case he busts again in his third year. Because after that, at that point, I mean, I think everyone will have given up on him. From the Red Sox perspective, I want to start off by saying again, I definitely don't want them to trade Alex Verdugo. I'm going to make that clear because I love Alex Verdugo. He's one of my favorite players. But if the Red Sox front office doesn't love his habits and doesn't think he's going to take that leap, now is kind of the time you've got to cut bait because he's got two years of control left. And if it doesn't get put together this year, then you're looking at either one year or one and a half years left of control. And you're really just not going to get very much from at that point. I mean, look what we, look what they got from Mookie Betts, one of the premier players in the game. And that cost was cut down so much just because he had one year left. So they'd get Jared Kalanick. A lot of people lost faith in the kid, but the fact of the matter is he's just 23 years old. He's got six years of control left because he spent so little time at the bigs because it's been that bad. But Despite the poor major league numbers, his AAA numbers have actually remained pretty good. This past year, he had a 534 OPS in the majors, but that paired with a 922 OPS in the in AAA, and that was in twice as many player appearances. In 2021, he debuted with a 615 OPS in the majors and had a 1016 OPS in the minors. So it's been ugly every time at the big league level. Both cups of coffee he's had, it's been bad. But... He's 23 years old, and there could definitely be something there. And if the Red Sox think they could tap into it, the reward would be huge. Six years of a guy with superstar upside. If they think they can tap into that, that might be a good guy to go after for Verdugo. All right. Super interesting idea. I did not think of that at all. Didn't realize uh, Kalanick had that many years of control. But a little peek behind the curtain. My significant other is a Mariners fan, so I watch a lot of Mariners baseball. He was, he was bad. He was like bad, bad this year. Like lots of strikeouts. He can't lay off anything high. He chases everything low. The defense is, eh, it's okay. Um, he has good speed, kind of like solid speed. Um, I know that a few years ago, he was very highly regarded. He was actually ahead of Julio Rodriguez, if I remember correctly, on their prospect list for quite some time. So it's in there somewhere. It's just really, really hard for me to imagine him playing every day, uh, especially, I mean, Seattle's a great town, but if you can't handle playing out there, I don't know how coming here would translate. Now, granted, that could be totally wrong. Um, I'm rooting for the guy. Uh, so that being said, I don't, I don't love trading Verdugo for Kelnick, but I love the concept of the trade, trading a proven commodity with two years of control for a less proven guy with a high ceiling um, with a lot more control. So um, yeah, I'm just very, very wary of uh, Kelnick uh, unless he faces Garrett Cole, because apparently he likes facing Garrett Cole. So maybe. I was actually curious to hear what you guys said about, about this one, because I, I, when I was making the trade, I was like, I was thinking to myself, who needs to add to this? And I, and I think that it's really just a matter of, of who you talk to. But one thing I forgot to mention is that if you go from Verdugo to Kelnick, I think Verdugo is due to make around $6 million, obviously depending on arbitration. But you've got some extra cash laying around there. You can sign, you know, like a Michael Conforto. You can sign you – could, you could even expand the trade to bring in Jesse Winker, who they want to get rid of. Uh, AJ Pollock's another name. Like if they think that one of these guys can 
duplicate or come close to Verdugo's production for around a similar price, they might see it as just getting a free shot at Jared Kellenic at that point or That's whoever, or whoever they go after, to be honest with you, the, the concept of the trade really could be with anybody. Yeah. That makes it a lot more appealing when you, when you frame it, like you shed the money, you know, we're talking, we're not talking a lot of money, but you shed the money that's with Verdugo. Um, you take a flyer on Kelnick and then you have room to sign someone like Pollock or Conforto. Um, love that idea, by the way. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I- I'm not crazy about it. Like I said, I like the concept. It's just the player Kelnick from seeing him so many times this year, even the body language was kind of like mopey, you know, and I just feel like, you know, Jaron Duran did that here and it didn't go well- over well with the fan base and, you know, understandably, but like, you know how we are up here. We're tough. So <laughs> tough on the players. So, uh, yeah, I'm like, kind of like a little bit like that with it. Yeah. I think that in terms of what you're getting back, I do like, like Sammy was saying, I like the idea of, I like the idea of getting like a controllable piece, like a clinic back. I don't know if I like clinic back, you know what I mean? But like, it's crazy how much of, like, a fall from grace he's had. Like, people are saying the Mets got absolutely fleeced when they gave up him in the Kanoa Diaz trade. He tears it up in the Seattle minor leagues, comes up, and it looks – he looks like Jared Durant in Boston. It looks like he's never played baseball before. And I think Kalenic – it's weird to call a prospect, like, a change of scenery guy. But if that was a thing, I think Kalenic is the guy who would benefit from a change of scenery. So I don't necessarily know – like, I think it's a fair trade in money wise. It makes sense. I, I'm pretty, I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle. Like I like the idea of clinic and I think there's still definitely potential in there, but in terms of a do go, you, I feel like you have to kind of ask, is it worth doing a one for one for a controllable piece or is you, or are you better off packaging him in a bigger package for maybe a mid midline starter or a premier leave or something like that? Right, like something proven. And there's definitely there's a million different directions you yeah, could go. I mean, and I don't I don't particularly want them to trade Alex Verdugo, but if they do, the flexibility they would have, you know, whether whether you package them in for for a bigger piece or whether you go after something younger and cheaper, so that you could go spend a little bit more money in free agency. There's a bunch of different directions they could go with it. So here's a question on my part. Me and Rob have had this conversation. Um, I'm not sure if we've had it on here yet, but if we move on from Verdugo, is that, I mean, like, is that like the final straw in that the Mookie Betts trade was an all around failure? Like, and, and like any part of it was salvageable? I think it depends on who you get for Verdugo because that has to all be factored into the trade. But like, I think, Pat, you just said, if I'm on the same page that I do think if Verdugo is moved, it's probably a part of a package for something bigger, like a frontline starter, like Coop, you've been mentioning Schoenberg a lot. Like, I don't know how truly available he is, but like, I, I could see Verdugo being a package of something bigger. And I think, um, if he's moved, I don't think it's like, oh, okay, the Mookie trade was for a waste. It all depends on what that return is that we get. It's like a legacy Diego. trade, like what, yeah, what you can do. Out of on and on and on. Trade tree. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. what Danny Ainge with like the Celtics, like what he was able to do with like moving Paul Pierce and KG. Yeah, yeah. the butterflies. Exactly. 
I have a but, weird uh, Pat. Let's get on to your trade. Oh no, Sammy, go for it. I love Sammy. Yeah. Make a comment about the um about like if the Mookie trade is a. I feel like it's it, there's no no nice way to put it. I feel like it's like a waste of time to to worry about like how the Mookie trade works. Like it happened. I'm sure we all hated it, but like you just got to make the best move for the team at this point. And if that means like, oh, well, the Mookie trade didn't work out. We're getting rid of Verdugo. We'll get over it. Just like, just make the team better. Um, That's I'm exactly not thinking, it. Like it's, I'm not, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say like, it, it's no matter what GM you would have brought in here, it was going to happen. Like it, Mookie Betts like time here was going to like have an expiration date on it, whether you were going to be able to bring him back or not. Obviously, COVID, I think, definitely had a factor in him, you know, getting that extension with the Dodgers. But like you have to be a realist in that Mookie Betts was going to be moved from the Red Sox no matter what. Yeah. And it was years ago, you know, like I said, I'm sure we were all upset when it happened. Yeah. I was really bummed, but um I feel like we, at, the, at a certain point, you just got to do what's best for the team, even if the optics of the trade don't look good. Like, it'll look better when the team's winning and we'll all forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, hit us with your trade, though. All right. So I initially picked my first one. And then based on the conversation that we just had, I think I now like my second one better because it fits exactly what we are just talking about. So I'm going to go with that one, then. So the trade that I came up with was the Marlins get Alex Verdugo, Nick York, and Brian Mata, and the Red Sox get Pablo Lopez, two years of Pablo Lopez. Thought process here, Marlins, I could not name you a prospect that the Marlins have that is not a pitcher. Sandy Alcantara, Jesus Lazardo, uh, Trevor Rogers. Edwin Cabrera, Max Meyer, uh, Yuri Perret, like those are six, seven, like legitimate rotation guys who are under the age of like 26. And Pablo Lopez with two years left, chances are they're not going to pay him in two years. They're, they almost moved with the deadline to the Yankees for a package of Glaber and someone else, but that kind of got nixed a little bit. And then I think for them, the outfield is a mess. The Abacil Garcia signing has not panned out whatsoever. Jorge Soler looks like a DH who can't hit. They have, uh, who else? They have, I thought it was someone else too. Uh, Dale, Brian De La Cruz, who's actually had a pretty decent year. But they're desperate for some outfield bats. And with a surplus of pitching, and their willingness is already there to move a Pablo Lopez. I think for them it makes sense to get a Verdugo, who's a proven you know, 280, 290 hitter. Bottom third of the lineup, pretty good defense. Nick York still has some upside, even though he struggled last year. He had a good Arizona Fall League. That's a middle of the infield guy who, you know, maybe plugs in there a year or two from now. And then Brian Mata just adds to their incredible repertoire of pitching talent. Even if he doesn't pan out, you still got two years of a solid outfielder and a potential very good middle infielder in Nick York. And then for the on the Sox side, there's an obvious need for a number two starter, especially with uh, Eovaldi declined his qualifying offer and him being a giant question mark. And I think that Heim has done a good job of building up the infield prospect system because you do have guys like Blaze Jordan, Tristan Casas, Marcelo Meyer, Mikey Romero. There's a surplus there. And of the bunch, Nick York is the oldest. And I would call that 
being expandable. I do think he can be moved. And then Mata, there's a, you know, he's a weird one. He's still super young. He's only 23. He's probably major league ready, but I think we were talking about it earlier. There's just so many arms and not enough innings to go around. And I think a guy like Mata when, with Bayo already up and Wickelman Gonzalez being a little bit younger, um, Brandon, uh, Brandon Walter, I would guess is going to be up this year. You're kind of dealing from a surplus of arms as well. So I'm curious to see what you guys think about that one. Let me jump in. All right. Go for um, it. I've heard the Lopez rumor before um, quite a few times, actually. So um, I, I like that. I think it tracks. Um, and it's funny. I feel like a lot of the times when people hypothesize trades, which I know all of us like to do, um, the comments will be like, oh, that's not enough. The Marlins are going to hang up the phone, block your number. But I feel like that's actually, I feel like you could pull one of those prospects and still have a chance at, you know, maybe getting that deal done. Um, and here's my reasoning behind that. Uh, like you said, the Marlins are desperate for hitting. So that's one way the Red Sox have leverage. Um, the Marlins have a major surplus of pitching. So that's another reason the Red Sox have leverage. Um, Red Sox have too many arms to go around and the Marlins aren't the only team that's trading pitchers, more leverage. Um, and lastly, I believe Pablo Lopez regressed quite a bit in the second half of the season. So, you know, four points of leverage uh, from a business sense. Uh, I think they could get that trade done for a similar package, maybe a little less. Um, but I think the fact that you, uh, you know, added more than what's needed makes it, you know, more realistic. So, um, yeah, I, I like the idea. I would maybe pull a little bit from the package, but Pablo Lopez is a good number two or three starter. Um, he's solid, and you're absolutely right. I think the Marlins are going to be shipping out multiple pitchers. Um, Red Sox need, you know, legit pitchers who are healthy and not question marks. So, um, yeah, offer, offers a bit much, but I like the idea of bringing Pablo Lopez uh, to Boston because um, good pitcher and Red Sox have, I would, I would say they have the leverage in that situation. I think it's a super interesting offer because if we're playing who says no here, I don't think the Marlins say no to that. And I, I can't tell you if the Reds do. So that's really interesting. And like, and if the Red Sox are going to send a pitcher to Miami, Brian Mata is kind of the best guy to fit them because I feel like the one fear with Mata is that he ends up in the pen. But for a team like the Marlins, that's, that's no issue at all. I mean, they've got starters galore. I mean, Yuri Perez is going to come up and, and rock everyone's world. And we don't even, do we even remember what Sixto Sanchez did in 2020? I love that guy. <laughs> it's an interesting trade. I do think that if, if one side is going to say no, it would be the Red Sox, but I can't confidently tell you that they would say no. It, it's an interesting concept. Sammy, I know we, we talked about this on Twitter at one point, you brought up a Verdugo Lopez baseline and it's like, who adds what to this to, to make this happen? It's an interesting concept. I, I, I'm all for it, man. I, I do think it might be a little high on the Sox side, but at the end of the day, they got to do something to address a starter at the front end of the rotation, whether Lopez slots in as a two um, or maybe a three, but um, I love it. I was really hoping there was going to be a Pablo Lopez trade in here. I, I almost brought one up uh, myself, but 
that goes right along with the package I was mentioning before Verdugo for some starter that's proven um, that can give you innings. I think he start, he made over 30 starts uh, this past year. Um, he's a guy that could slot into a rotation that needs a lot of help at the front end and dealing Mata um, again, like, like you guys just touched on, like we mentioned earlier, um, you're dealing from a surplus of MLB ready talent. Obviously not all of it's going to pan out. Um, probably most of it won't, but Mata is a guy I think you can afford to trade. Um, and then Nick York, I think so as well, because for the simple fact that Trevor story is here, um, I know there's a lot of um, hate and love for Trevor story depends on what side you're on. Um, I choose to love him. I think his defense, no matter what is not going to go into a slump, um, especially if he stays at second base. Um, and, and he was hurt obviously most of the year. So um, if he sees his contract through or say he opts out and then the Sox tack that other year on to keep him, um, there's no place for Nick York. I love Nick York. Uh, I think he's a tremendous talent, but you got to trade talent to get talent. Um, I like it. Give me Pablo Lopez. You know, what's a bummer is that what you said is so true. He's, he's completely blocked with story at second base, but he just got injured last year. Like it stinks. He would be the perfect trade candidate. Mm -hmm. Luckily he's been doing well in the uh, Arizona fall league, but like, man, he, he would have been such a slam dunk. He's still very good, but would have been like perfect trade candidate if he hadn't got yeah, hurt. Great point. That's the business. And if, and if he doesn't get traded, I, I feel like he's a guy that you can have a lot of confidence in to bounce back. His bat-to-ball skills are, are really good. I feel like he's going to bounce back, and he's, he's so young. Like, I feel like this year he'll probably, what, top out at double-A? Like, he's not, he's not going to have a major league test this year. So if they don't trade him now, they could still trade him while he's got really high prospect status before he reaches the majors in the next offseason. Yeah, and my thought process with Nick York, too, currently where he stands, he kind of profiles like a Nick Senzel, like comes up as a middle infielder, but probably moves to a corner outfield spot, depending on the defense. So if we do hold on to him, I do think maybe a little corner outfield spot, but that it's all contingent on him actually making that bounce back that you guys are kind of talking about as well. Might not be a good Boston name either. See N York in the lineup yeah. every day. That's the opposite of uh, Varsho and uh, Bumgarner. So, yeah, yeah, so that's the important yeah. stuff. I mean, that's that's how you build a World Series roster. It's just built on names. Yeah, yeah, best names. I mean, two thousand four. That was a Hall of Fame name team. <laughs> Bellhorn. But um, I want to move on to this last part, and this is like a little a little something special that I I want to introduce to this. So I took all your names, all the names that you guys suggested, and uh, this is truly going to be the uh, the C-suite board for the front office of trying to build a Red Sox trade. Um, I also added some some uh, some random names in here as well, some that are like kind of like lulls, but also ones that would be blockbusters. We're gonna spin the wheel. We're gonna get a name, and I want you guys collectively to figure out what we're gonna send away to get these guys here can be, you know, one for one, can be two guys, can be a couple prospects. However you guys think, it's just we have to package it up. We are the trade machine, and we all have to come to an agreement on what we're going to send, all right? Time to pull up SoxProspects.com. Yeah, exactly. Our, the only trusted source for the Bradfoe show. It's going to be hilarious if we just get someone that you guys are named. Awesome. This is oh, our... <laughs> <laughs> this is what, 
why do we need him? This is great. Let's just figure it out. No, we're we're figuring out Patrick Corbin. Is there even a guy on the Nationals currently, or even multiple guys who you could take back to take that contract? It would have to be like half of the Soto deal coming back to Boston. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a hefty prospect package, <laughs> and they're getting like the corpse of Anthony Renato back. Yeah, we can bring Henry Owens. Out. <laughs> are, we, are we just are we just out? We're not trying to like dump like a contract for like the Nationals here. Like we're trying to help them sell the team or anything. We're just gonna. Do you want to yeah. move on to the next name? No, I like this. This is this is good. This yeah, is hard. This was the challenge. I mean, I, this, when I put down Patrick Corbin's name, I was like, I, I'm challenging them in this was, situation. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let me let me see. Oh God. I'm pulling up the Padres top list. Give me uh, give me Mackenzie Gore somehow in here. Oh, yeah, okay, there we go. Gore's got to be in there. We'll start with. Let's can package other guys from like the the Nationals as well in order to like make it like seem palatable for like the Red Sox. I think. Right. Yeah. I, exactly. I think it. It. I would say that Mackenzie Gore's got to be in there to take it on Corbin. Yeah. I also wouldn't hate maybe, and this is a big maybe, maybe Luke Voigt as like a DH option, maybe. I was going to say him too. You know what's an interesting name to bring up in here is he's their top guy, but Robert Hassel is the guy that we always heard about discussing with San Diego to, to take on Hosmer's contract. What if it what if it came full circle? They, they take a dump contract for Hassel, and he gets, re, he gets reunited with Eric Hosmer in Boston. It would be, really, be really funny is if that trade included uh, – Joey Manessis, <laughs> the guy the Red Sox gave up on, and now he's crushing it. Bring him back. Oh, my God. Honestly, yep. like, for, like, a real deal with Patrick Corbin, it's going to be like, like, what's that contract? It's it's huge, right? That's the worst contract. It's disgusting. Ever, it's absolutely ever, disgusting. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. And, like, it's up there with Rendon. Yeah, it's going to cost, like, I would say like one of their like top five, if yeah. not like two, or maybe like one of their top five. And I can't even like fathom how much they would have to give the Red Sox just to dump that contract. Like, ooh, uh, yeah, that's that's brutal. I mean, is there a way? So Strasburg also, right? He's on a brutal contract just because he hasn't been healthy. Yeah. So yeah. is there a way that you get Patrick Corbin and Strasburg for like? nothing their whole system yeah circling back to sammy what sammy was saying earlier though hypothetically in this hypothetical world if hein bloom hated the red sox and actually went for patrick corbin i wouldn't hate kybert ruiz in that package to solve the multiple years of control for the catching option is he um is he gonna be like good to play in 2023 because he had the nasty nasty injury oh yeah bring up on air I forgot Kyber got hurt. It was, I don't know uh, how long he's out for, but I mean, yeah, he ruptured an important uh, part of his body, which uh, family jewels ruptured. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, 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 no. We don't. We don't I I cringe at that like injury a lot, so we don't need to go into details about it. Yeah. He yeah, might be faster. He's carrying a less load. Yeah, he was. He was on the <laughs> end day. So. 
I was under the impression that Corbin was under contract for a lot longer than he is. He's only got two years left. I thought he had a lot longer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, how many? Uh, what? How I mean, many? Still, it's a gross AAV. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like the first year's. I'm pretty sure 25, and the next year's 35. Like this last year is because the Nationals they had a backload like every contract because yeah. they they are in such like financial like trouble. I mean, that's why they have to sell the team right now. But they're in the worst like financial situation right now for like MLB teams. So you're like taking on two years of like roughly what we think Bogarts is gonna make. So like. Yeah, I, I can't even wow. begin to like create a package that would make it make sense. It's it's nuts. But he's making. You know, Corbin's making thirty five and twenty four. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I honestly, God, I put this down with like all the other names. I'm just like, there's no shot that this comes up. It would be funny if it did. I'm glad it did. This is yeah. No, I mean, so what, what's our final trade proposal? Do we have anything? So. I think we can all agree Mackenzie Gore has to be in this package, correct? Yes. Right. We're all good. I think Mackenzie Gore is pretty yeah. a unanimous piece in here. I'm good with that. Let me see. Mackenzie Gore and well, oh, what about um Brady House? That was a top prospect a while ago. Shortstop, right? Yeah, shortstop, but maybe third base. So yeah. Yeah, I, I feel mean, like if you go Gore with one of those, not necessarily like the top three, because Hassel, Greenwood are are all like ridiculous, and I think Cavalli might be in that in that class too. Yeah, house how add house into that. I think I think that's my price. Yeah, House and Gore. Who are the Red yeah. Sox sending? Are we just going to do cash considerations? It's the Adam Adovino trade. <laughs> take it all. Yeah, you can have Jaron Duran take him. <laughs> Oh my God! I was I'm signing off on that. So Brazier, Brazier, Brazier. Still a 40 man roster yeah. spot, so you got to clear. Ryan, Ryan Brazier and Darwin's and Hernandez. Peace out. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna. I I'm mean, gonna realistically, as... maybe like Matthew Lugo. Lugo is the guy from a, an area of depth that's probably never going to see the field in Boston. Um, I don't know. That, that actually makes sense. So like Lugo. For Corbin's contract, House and Gore, right? Yeah. Okay, so like they do get like a decent prospect in return. So they basically get cash and Lugo in exchange for two prospects. So not too crazy. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. yeah. Did any of you guys the way that we figured this out? Did any of you guys try putting together trades with the Brewers and and try to put Yelich in there and and see what he's making for the next like six years? It's no, I love Yelich, but there's no way any team is ever going to touch him. That deferred I mean, money I goes to Angels is that stupid. But what happened to him? Dude, him and Bellinger, you win like an MVP and you just like bought him out. I don't. And he's he's under contract. Cody Bellinger. Yeah, and I think I think Yelich's I think Yelich's deferred money goes till 2036. It's like, yeah, you could give me Corbin Burns, but am I really gonna like handcuff my franchise for the next decade? Like, oh my god. I mean, at the time, like I mean what? That he signed his contract going into 2017, 2018? Might have been going into 2019. Was it after their run? Because I mean, like at the time, like everyone was expecting like the Brewers to be a World Series contending team for like a couple of years. 
wasn't it wasn't it Yelich and Bellinger had that commercial where they're arguing about who was going to win MVP or like who's going to win more MVPs or something like that? I don't know, but as soon as you said that, all I thought of was like the Bryce Harper Tim remember. Anderson commercial that I saw endlessly this summer. For yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but, he's getting Tommy John next week. Yeah. Oh my! Like the fact that he went through that entire playoff run with a torn UCL, insane. It was awesome. And that's why baseball's the best. All right, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna hit us with one more. That's wild. Didn't when when Otani when Otani had CJ. No, 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 keep going, keep going. This has got to spin, so. Oh, hell yeah. When Tommy had Tommy John, did he still hit? Or am I um, mad? Did he still deep when he was covering CJ? Yeah. I don't remember him missing a ton of time. Otani. When Otani got it, he got surgery in October and was back in May. Not pitching, just hitting. Yeah. But then he didn't pitch again until I think the next. Right, right, right. Okay. Next season. But all right, Saya Suzuki. How are we going to yeah, get him? Because we didn't year, get him in free agency. So theoretically, wild. Bryce could be back. What's Sai what's Suzuki's contract? Four for 64, something like that? Five for 85. He's got four years remaining on it, and it goes yeah. 8, 21, 19, 19. Wait, but then this is weird. It also, baseball reference says earliest ARBA eligible is 2027. And then yeah, so he would have. He's a free agent in 2028. So he's got. Four years making between 18 and 21 mil, and then he's going to go to arbitration for one year, and then he's going to be a free agent. Yep. That's so weird. Structured yep. contract. Weird. Um, but I do think that this is another obvious Verdugo package um, situation. You want me to jump in, Coop? I got to. Oh, I, I mean, you, you already started off with like when I put this in, I was like, this is a Verdugo trade right here. Like, this yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. So Verdugo, um, pretty simple. That's their replacement. Um, solid replacement. I'm sure we all like Verdugo. He's solid. So um, Cubs are also a little bit short on major league pitching. So this might be an instance where you could throw in Pavetta, you know, depending on what the Red Sox do in free agency. If they don't sign any more pitchers, you don't do that. But let's hypothetically say they get Evaldi and another pitcher. You can do Verdugo, Pavetta, and then prospect in the range of like seven through 10. So you're shipping, actually, is that even enough? Maybe two prospects because Suzuki, you get the point. Verdugo, Pavetta, one or two solid prospects. I think that's on a short notice trade, the best I can give you. I'm going to have to institute a requirement here is that we have to send Josh Winkowski to Wrigley Field. So he has to pitch there. So he has to pitch in front of the stock standard uh, Wrigley uh, State. Stock or Wrigley standard Field. ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> No, that would that would be such a funny like karma like moment, but like also like, I think you could also maybe loop in Jaron Duran, possibly instead of Verdugo. Like, is there a world where we can keep her going just like interchange like Duran? So the reason I didn't do that is because if you do that, then you're gonna have to be giving up bigger prospects. So if you're okay with that, then it's fine. 
Um, but with the way they're talking about Verdugo, I just feel like, which I hate because it's just like a few years ago, 2020, we loved him. He was like the one bright spot on the team. So, um, yeah, you could do that. You could do a Duran package and improve the prospect you're giving them or give them more prospects. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just Verdugo centered package, but I think the Cubs would never do this. I wonder if, because you were saying most likely a package has to be Verdugo, maybe a Pavetta, and then two guys in that seven to 10 range. I wonder if you sub out Pavetta for like a Tanner Huck. I wonder if that diminishes the prospect package to maybe just doing like an ed, uh, like a Brandon Walter or a Brian Mata and then a lower tier prospect just to diminish the actual prospect package a little bit. Yeah, you could do, um, yeah, Pavetta or get rid of Pavetta, Verdugo, Hauk, mm, Mata, I guess, Walter. Walter and Mata. I just don't know how much I want to give My head was kind of going towards Walter. It's interesting, though, because you got to remember, he's making a bunch of money. So that that in itself diminishes the prospect package. Like, remember when Rysel Iglesias got traded midseason? Like, he's still a great reliever, and they got the Angels got zero for him because it was basically just like, we don't even want to pay this guy. Like, maybe the Cubs want to take some money and throw it at Carlos Correa, and it's like, uh, maybe you want to find a trade package or a trade partner for, for Seiya Suzuki. Then at that point, taking on the money in itself is, is a pretty big piece of that it's tough because there's like no precedent for a, a big international free agent who signs, plays really well, gets hurt, and then gets traded. It's just a strange, a strange, you know, hypothetical scenario. So it's really tough to think of like a package because there's not much to compare it to. I don't even know how I feel about Suzuki at this point. Like, I, I loved him going into I'm not completely sold on him. There's so much hype for him. And I think, I think that's like the issue with like international like players especially like when you get them from like an asian market it's just like there is so much hype when they come over because you don't have anything and i shouldn't say that like you know the mlb isn't comparable to you know like you know, the Japanese professional and like the korean professional league but it's still like it's it's such a different animal and it's like different level of baseball so it's tough to mm-hmm. like otani is such like a one-off thing Ichiro is such a one-off thing it's- like Hideki Matsuka, Hideki Matsui is like such a one-off thing, but like you see those guys like really thrive and like that's all you want out of your like international players. I feel the pitchers generally are more of a surefire bet than the uh, hitters. Yeah. If I like just it's almost like uh it's almost like if if there was a four A level kind of yeah yeah um, for for guys coming over here, but. I wonder if here's something interesting. I don't know if this guy even has any value because of his injury history, but we're talking about Seiya who, who also got hurt. He's making a lot more money, but maybe you could think of something around the likes of James Paxton, where he's only making 4 million this year. Obviously he's not nearly under the the control, but a guy who's hurt with potential upside, that's making a fraction of the money. And then you include uh, Duran and, Brandon Walter or something like the that. The Ricketts love I bargains know. too. I, I, it's, it's a good point. Yeah, I actually didn't. I think I kind of overshot how good Seiya was because of the hot start he got off to. He was uh, 116 OPS plus. So, like, good, but at that price. Rookie year. Rookie year. Yeah. How many games did he play? Yep. I know he had the yep. back thing and he had a hamstring too. Um, he had 
397 at-bats. Uh, where's games? I don't see games. They have uh, – he almost had 400 at-bats. So. He had 111. And, and Gordon, you make a good point because, like, even not to not to compare him to Shohei, but, like, Shohei didn't Gordon. come out of, like, like the gates hot. Like, I mean, like, he, he came out and performed well. Like, yeah. But he really didn't start, like, performing like his MVP self until his second year. You're so right on that, Coop. You're right. I, we forget about that. I forget about that all the time. He was not that great. He was like he was something we hadn't seen, but he wasn't like this mega star on both sides. Yeah, like, pe- like people were still flocking to see him, but it was like, oh, this isn't that special, even though he was still like a top like performer in the MLB. Right. So I think I think it is like that adjustment like to the MLB, like you see with any player, really. Uh, it's just our dumb brains as fans just wanting the best for players is the ball is the ball different isn't the ball slightly bigger in the majors it's bigger in the majors yeah it's smaller in japan yeah like it's slightly different baseball they use yeah because that's why a lot of guys who come over like this like out of this world splitter doesn't translate well because the ball is bigger another thing on suzuki not a good defender which is unusual for guys coming over from japan normally they play good defense um, the ones who come over to Major League Baseball. Um, he has a good arm, but didn't he come kind of, over touted as a good defender? He was, I think yeah. so. Yeah, he's seventeenth. Uh, he was like, I, wasn't he a Gold Glover in Japan? Yeah, I, I think so. That sounds right. But um, he he has a cannon for an arm, and that's he's kind of like Renfro, really good arm, but that's it. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing the Verdugo package once again for Prisaya. This has yeah. really become the let's. This let's has become out like the Verdugo hate podcast, which I don't like because I like. I love Verdugo. him so much. Like, I hate that. I do not hate Alex Verdugo. Yeah, put no, that I, put that on the I record. I love Alex Verdugo. It's it's just, just, it's, who, who at the major league level right now is a more obvious trade target than Verdugo on the Red Sox? If anything, it we're on Verdugo's side because we're trying to say how valuable he is. Like every team wants him. Yeah, spin zone. Right, spin zone. Yeah, and we'll end the podcast on that. Yeah, he's generally a fan favorite. Yeah, we love Verdugo. Ninety nine. Appreciate appreciate you guys hopping on for another. Who says no? We got a whole off season ahead of us, so this was fun. I like doing the roundtable. I like doing the the wheel at the end. So we'll get Rob on this next time, and we'll show him how fun of the time it is.